there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in communications, the music industry, and public service, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest has served as chief spokesman for a whole bunch of high-profile elected and appointed officials, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and two members of Congress, as well as a number of nonprofits like the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence and Save the Children's Action Network, which is the political voice for kids. But before I introduce you to Brendan Daly, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays to give you a sneak peek into the episodes and the professions we're going to be featuring that week. And it is super easy to do, my friends. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my communications and public service pour-over lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my incredibly talented next guest is Brendan Daly, the Chief Communications Officer at the Recording Industry Association of America, the trade association for the recorded music industry. Brendan is a veteran communication strategist with over 25 years of experience in managing messaging, promoting policy, and improving the image of organizations and policymakers. Most recently, Brendan served as chief spokesman and senior director of communications at Save the Children Action Network, the political advocacy arm of the global nonprofit Save the Children, where he advised on all aspects of strategy and policy. Brendan has also worked as an executive vice president and national director for corporate and public affairs at Ogilvy Public Relations, where he led a 25-person team advising clients like the Federal Reserve and Susan G. Komen for the Cure. Brendan started out his career right out of college working as a newspaper reporter in Waterbury, Connecticut, and eventually moved from reporting on politics to getting involved working in politics for a number of politicians, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, with whom he spent almost 10 years. We're going to get into Brendan's time working with Speaker Pelosi, as well as learning more about what he does now at the Recording Industry Association of America in our main Time for Coffee interview. So please check out show notes for this episode to see if that episode has already dropped. Brendan, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I sure am. Thank you for having me, Andrea. Oh my goodness. It is my pleasure. And for our listeners, we are going to be framing these espresso shots around public affairs and communications. And so our first espresso shot is what entry-level jobs, Brendan, are available to young people who want to break into communications and public relations? Well, there are lots of them. I mean, the easiest one for probably for people still in college and even those recently graduated is an internship. So a lot of nonprofits, you know, our organization is a trade organization. We have internships. The Hill has internships. So there's any number of places you can do that. 
And in some cases, there are also entry-level jobs where you can be what we call a communications assistant. I just hired one uh, recently who was a recent graduate of Tulane University down in New Orleans, and she's terrific. And so really, for the entry-level jobs, we're looking for someone who's got a good attitude, who's smart, who can write, who's willing to do a number of different things. And really, in terms of the next question I see here, you've been talking about skills. And you know, one of the things you really need is writing. No matter what job you do, whether it's PR, whether it's your job, whether it's anything, you need to be able to communicate with people. And if you can show that, even as an entry-level person, that'll really help you go a long way toward getting a job. Fantastic. Well, as a communications professional, you sure know your talking points and you're jumping ahead and taking my job away from you, Brendan. <laughs> Sorry <So> about that. <laughs> that's okay. The next espresso shot that you just alluded to is what is a useful, hard and soft skill that you look for in the young people that you've hired over the years? You mentioned being able to write well, being hardworking. That's kind of a soft skill. Are there any others? Well, certainly, you know, in terms of the hard skills, it's, it's good to know Microsoft Office, Excel, any kind of spreadsheets and that kind of thing, because you'll often be doing data entry. And then if you have social media skills, that's also really helpful in the communications field. So if you know how to be effective on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, those are kind of the three primary ones. And more and more, actually, we're seeing now folks on LinkedIn. So if you use those kind of social media, you know how to do it, and you can translate from the personal to the professional, that's a, a big plus. You actually anticipated my follow-up to that because there are tons of young people. Frankly, we'd be hard-pressed to find a single one who doesn't use some form of social media. But there is a big difference between posting selfies of you on the beach, on Instagram, and promoting the policies and the mission of an organization like RIAA. Can you give us an example of what you're looking for? Sure. You know, you're really trying to do something that it's tricky because you want to make it interesting because there's so much out there, particularly in social media, that you want to try to break through. But it can't be too kind of hokey or even on the other end, cutting edge where you're kind of racy. We can't do that either. But you want to make it short and kind of compelling. And so we actually just are posting something today, which I think is interesting. It's a, it's a chart of the music industry revenue and how it changed over time. It's a little video and it starts out with vinyl records and it's going across the chart as the revenues increased in the 70s and then all of a sudden CDs came in and then vinyl drops and CDs go up and then CDs start to drop and digital downloads go up and then they start to drop and now we're seeing streaming go up and up and up. So it's just sort of a, a visual graphic of what has happened in the industry over the last 30 or 40 years. And that's one thing I think is interesting. There's lots of different ways to do it, but basically you have to grab people's attention and promote the organization, not yourself. Got it. And so I have to ask you, was there a music soundtrack? And if so, what was it? Well, in this one, there was not. And, and you would actually think because we represent the music industry that we would be able to use music more often, but we run into the same problems that other people do, <laughs> that it's licensed. <laughs> we don't always have the license for specific songs. And so often we just use generic music or things that, that aren't licensed. So it's oh, kind of a, it's an irony, but it's it's a reality we have to deal with. Say it isn't so, Brendan. Okay, sorry <laughs> The to real world that. does intervene here, even, <laughs> even on social media. Okay, what about someone's major. Is it a deciding factor to get into this profession? In other words, if they haven't studied public relations, if they haven't studied communications or public affairs, is it a deal breaker? 
Not for me. And I don't think for most people. You know, frankly, I, I, I can't really remember the last time I asked somebody what their major was. We really want someone who's well-rounded. And this is one of the cases where a liberal arts education actually can help, where you have a well-rounded education, you know a lot about many different things, and you're curious about the world. That's really kind of the main thing that I'm looking for. If you have a specific interest or some knowledge in communications by studying it, that's, that's useful, but, but not necessary. Okay. What about a grad school degree? And this is less so for those who are looking to get in on the ground floor, more so for someone who wants to be a chief communications officer or in the C-suite in some way, shape or form. And if so, what are the most useful ones to have? Well, that's a good question. I, again, I think it varies. Probably more and more in recent times, I would say public policy would probably be the number one. But there's other ones as well, business, even, you know, we have, when I worked in politics, we had folks who were lawyers who, by going to law school, they felt it really trained their mind and to really look for details and to be a good writer and to be concise in their arguments and that kind of thing. They didn't really practice law in the traditional sense. They weren't in courtrooms, but they used their legal skills as part of their job. But again, it, it really varies. And I don't think it's a requirement, but if somebody wants to do it, it could be helpful. Great. Now, what kind of life experiences are most useful for someone to have starting out in this field? So these are things outside the classroom. And I should say, we are doing our interview today on Super Tuesday, a time when people Young people from all over the country are volunteering, getting out the vote, working on different campaigns. What kind of life experiences, Brendan, other than maybe volunteering on a campaign, do you think are useful for someone starting out in this field? Well, that that's number one is right there where you just said. Volunteering a campaign, I think, is certainly great. No matter even if you don't, if you go into politics, obviously that's true. But even if you go into something that's more traditional public relations, it's still good to have that experience because you know you're on the front lines and you know what it is to try to communicate. And people are so busy, and particularly in these days when there's so much going on, and what is it that cuts through the noise? And how can you get your message out there that people will actually listen to? And if you've been out there on a volunteer basis, or even as a you know an intern or a, really an assistant job, you still have a sense of that. And you'll know how hard it is and what you need to do to try to cut through. Terrific. So, Brendan, I know that you have been on the job at RIAA now for about seven months, but you have been in the field of communications and public relations and even journalism for over 30 years. What is the best part for you of being in this profession? Well, it's just really interesting, I think, the fact that whatever you're doing, like right now, I just, I'm a big fan of music and it's fun for me to, to talk about the music and to talk about the industry and how things are going very, very well right now. And we're thrilled about that. When I worked in politics, I very much believed in what Speaker Pelosi was promoting and the issues that she was working on. So it's being part of something bigger than yourself and being able to talk about that. I used to, I don't know if you mentioned this in the intro, but I was the press director for the Peace Corps in the late 90s. And I love that job. I mean, the slogan there is, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. And that's absolutely true. And even though I wasn't a volunteer, I got to visit the volunteers overseas in Africa and Central America and all sorts of different places. And I saw the great work that they were doing. So when I was back home, I was very enthusiastic and could genuinely talk about how impressed I was with the volunteers and the work that they were doing. So I guess the main thing is that I have a passion for all these things and, and it's a way to express your passion. And it's really been, it's been fun and a privilege for me. I think that is such an important point because your skills and what you do better than most 
is something that is cross-cutting across pretty much every industry out there. You can be a kick-ass communicator in just about any field. And what you've done, Brendan, is you've let your interest in mission-driven organizations and public service kind of pull you along. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think that it helps having an interest and a passion because people can really see that. And if you're authentic, certainly true in politics, but it's true anywhere in life that when you're authentic about your love for something, people get that and it comes through. If you're faking it, that also comes through. And, you know, I've been fortunate to work in different fields that that have really been interesting to me. Some of them had to learn a lot. Like music, I was not an expert when I came here. I worked at the trade representative's office. I really didn't know that much about trade when I started there. And I had to study it. I mean, so I had to read up, talk to people who were smart. I read books. I read articles. I listened to, that time it was radio. Now I have podcasts I can listen to. But that's true for music now. I'm reading books. I'm talking to the folks who work here. I'm reading the trade press all the time so I can be knowledgeable about what it is that I'm talking about. You have to learn the subject so that you really can talk about it intelligently. Another excellent point. And I am guessing, Brendan, that because you are managing a big team, you're also an executive in the organization, some of that preparation, some of that educating that you're doing is taking place outside the office in your free time. It is. It is. I mean, the reading certainly is, but even the, in the friendships I have with folks who work here, I talk to them all the time about it because as I sort of referenced in that earlier answer about the social media, the music industry completely transformed in the last 20 years, and really in the last five years. I mean, you could certainly talk about 20 years ago, but even the last five, it's completely different from what it was, and it's going to continue to change. So you have to be on top of that and know how things work, because that's the questions I'm getting from reporters every single day, and I need to be able to answer them. A hundred percent. So even in an industry like music, which you are personally passionate about, and as a chief communications officer there, one of the top jobs, I gotta guess there are aspects of that job that still suck. So what would you say <laughs> sucks the most? <laughs> well, that's a that's a hard question. Part of it is just our members can be really challenging. They're super smart, really creative and, and really great people, but they are competitors. And so they have different ideas of what it is that we should do. And I wouldn't say this sucks. It's actually, it's a challenge and I actually kind of like it. You have to sort of figure out what it is that they're saying to you and how do you, for better lack of a better term, read between the lines and decide, okay, yes, this person is saying something here. Another person who's very important to me says something completely opposite. What do I do? Well, I've got to go where I think is the right path and what I think we should do while still trying to respect them and listen to them. And they have very definite opinions and, and they've been very successful in their careers. So it's a little bit of a tricky balance, but I find it a challenge and really an interesting challenge as well. And how much did your time working alongside Speaker Pelosi, who at one point was the minority leader of the Democratic caucus, how much has that helped you, having been alongside her when she was getting her members in line? I think that helps a lot. I really do. Because you look at today and people talk about AOC and the squad and some of the folks on the far left who are kind of battling, if you will, a little bit with, with the speaker who is quite liberal herself, but is also trying to bring along the moderates and is concerned about their, uh, you know, the races in the tough districts. We had that back when I worked for her as well. There was definitely a huge range of opinion. And you had to kind of navigate that. What is it the thing that unifies us? And, you know, when we won in 2006, we being the Democrats at that time, it was a slogan of it's a new direction for America. And George W. Bush was president. There was real concern about the Iraq war. 
There was concern about he was trying to privatize Social Security. There was concern about his handling of Katrina. Any number of things that people in the Democratic caucus were not happy with. But under that kind of umbrella message of a new direction for America, then we were able to to unite all of them. And for music, it's really, I think the one thing that we talk about here is that music matters. And it matters to individuals as a person. I love music. It matters economically to individual states and to the country because of the huge number of jobs it brings throughout the country. And it matters in the, you know, in the message that the, the you know, the passion the fans have for it. So that's kind of our unifying theme and our messaging. But then within that, we have specific things that we'll talk about as we go forward. Gotcha. So Brendan, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? I was thinking about this and I think really was if you see an opportunity that will advance your career and you're interested in, go for it. Even if you think you're not ready for it, why not? Give it a shot and be willing to try new things. I was really happy working at the Peace Corps. I love that job. Unfortunately, they have a rule that you can only work there for five years. And so I did have to think about leaving. And then I was approached by Speaker Pelosi. At that time, she was just Representative Nancy Pelosi. She was not a member of the leadership. And she had approached me earlier, and I'd said no a couple of times. And then she approached me at the end of that, and she said, I'm going to be the first woman speaker, and I want you to help me get there. And how could I say no to that? Wow. I got chills. (laughs) That must have been pretty cool. Were you intimidated by the prospect of being her spokesperson? No, no, I was really excited about it. I wasn't intimidated at all. Okay. And she's, she is really, I mean, she can be an intimidating figure. And sometimes when you have to tell her no, or that's a bad idea, that's not an easy thing to do. But to her credit, she knows that when she hires her top staff, that's our job is to say no to a bad idea. I don't think you should do that. Here's what I think you should do. She may or may not listen. There were times where I would say, I don't think you should do this. And she would go ahead and do it anyway, because she has her own reasons. And she's always been her own best strategist. And she's incredibly savvy, as we've seen over the years. And she knows how to do any number of things. And most of the best things that she does from a PR point of view, she comes up with herself, frankly, like just the other, you know, the, the famous one a few weeks ago, when she ripped up the president's speech at the State of the Union, no one told her to do that. She didn't even think about that in advance. It was only during the speech and she felt like he was really lying to the American people and disrespecting the uh, halls of Congress that she felt that I've got to I've got to somehow demonstrate that to folks. And so she came up with that idea herself. Interesting. Okay. well, I guess maybe her communications director was swallowing hard when they watch that <laughs> happen live. Probably uh, if I had been there. But on the other hand, you just know that's that's who she is. And so you go with it. You just got to go with it. No doubt. So two final espresso shots. What movies, if any, Brendan, or Netflix, Hulu, Amazon shows, I'm sorry, not music, not songs, or books for that matter, accurately depict your profession? Well, I've been thinking about this, and you know, I'll just sort of separate into two different things. One, when I worked at a PR firm, even though it was dated, there was a certain truth to madness of sort of trying to come up with slogans and come up with ideas and that kind of thing, that things are much more modern now, obviously, with Twitter and, and Facebook and all that. But the idea of trying to be clever and come up with something that will catch people's attention, I think there was some truth to that. And then in terms of politics, there's been a huge number of political shows, as you know, over the years. And I have lots of them that I like, but I would say probably the most sort of idealistic would be the West Wing. And, you know, there's some truth to the, what happened there, but I would say that's more sort of hopeful and we wish it were that way. And Veep actually is probably more actually accurate. And the cynicism and the mistakes that people make and the unfortunate self-centeredness that some of the folks have there is probably pretty accurate. 
Yeah, I think you and I have both met our fair share of Jonas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even even Selena's, you know. So there you go. Oh yeah, absolutely. So final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? I think that it's hard. I mean, it seems easy. I get all sorts of advice all the time. Oh, you should do this, you know, about the, especially if you're doing something that's kind of popular or public, like this job in music or my job working for the speaker. Everybody's got advice. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should have her say, or here's what you guys should do now. And there's some truth to that. Some things are obvious, but then there's a lot of cross-cutting things that are not really public and that we have to deal with on a reality basis. And so I just think that it's it looks glamorous, but it's it's a lot of work, actually. It's surprisingly hard. Oh, my goodness. And if you think it's a nine to five, you are looking for the wrong type of career, my friends. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. It's more like 20 hours. <laughs> well, you're always thinking about it. even if you're not actually doing something, it's on your mind. And sometimes the best ideas come, you know, when I'm cutting the lawn, even on the weekend, I'm like, oh, I should do that. And I'll literally I'll stop and I'll write something down like it's a good idea. <laughs> you know, the, the, or the so-called shower moment. You're in the shower and you think about it and it pops in your head. You just want to make sure you can remember it to write it down after you get out. And so because it's on your mind and you want if you're doing a, if you're good at it, you want to be thinking about it. What how can I answer this question or how can I do this campaign or this idea? How can I implement it to make sure it happens? Well, I think this speaks so much to one of your earlier points, Brendan, that the authenticity and how you really can't fake it because those people who are faking it don't have the energy and the enthusiasm to be thinking about their work while they're cutting the lawn and while they're in the shower in their off hours because this is something that is bigger than you are. And that's the difference. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Brendan, I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community for those who want to learn more about all of the different things Brendan has done over his career. And he's absolutely right. I only touched on a handful of them and on what he's doing now as the Chief Communications Officer at the Recording Industry Association of America. Check out show notes to see if Brendan's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Thanks so much, Brendan. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. <laughs>